Welcome to our podcast, We're Not So Different. I'm Samira. And I'm Ali. We're two professionals having real conversations about our experiences at home, work, and out in the community. We tell our stories through the lens of our different backgrounds to just find out that we're not so different. In our podcast, we'll explore ways that we can improve engagement and bridge social gaps while trying to find the humor in it all. Check us out on social media at WNSDifferent or email us at WNSDifferent at gmail.com. Hey everyone, this is Samira and Ali with another episode of We're Not So Different. So today's episode is going to be based on a question that we got from one of our listeners from an email in wnsdifferent at gmail.com. So if you have any questions, feedback, ideas that you'd like us to talk about or share, please email us at wnsdifferent at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram and the handle is at wnsdifferent. So we got an email from a listener. Uh, they listened to several of our episodes and they called out a specific part where Samir was talking about, hey, I want to be an ally. I want to support a different community. But how do I do that without appropriating you know, their struggle? How do I do that without appropriating their cause? And we've talked a little bit in the past about the concerns about, hey, when you have other people that are joining your cause or joining your struggle, you know, why people might ostracize different people and say, hey, let's handle our own struggle. Let's be focused on our own issues. Um, but we talked also about how it's important to have an ally as well. The question was really about, you know, hey, Samira, if you don't want to appropriate, but you also want to be an ally, where's that fine line and how do you navigate that? So we're really going to go into uh, what that means. We're going to have Samira talk about that. And then we're also in general, just going to address cultural appropriation because that's a huge thing. Anytime you look at the way people dress, the way people talk, the music they that they listen to, dancing, so on and so the forth. Food we eat, Taco Tuesday. So taco <laughs> Tuesday. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But I think Samir, let's let's start with what cultural appropriation means, and let's just look at let's look at dictionary.com. <laughs> so according to the internet, the the cultural appropriation means the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of the customs, practices, ideas, etc., of one people or society by members of another, and typically more dominant society. So basically, when you have a dominant society or a group of people taking music, art, food, what, you know, everything Ali already talked about, um, and making it their own, that is considered appropriation. Yeah. And when we talk about being allies, there is a fine line between what does it look like to be an ally and what does it look like to appropriate. Mm. And unfortunately, there is no right answer because as we talked about in episode one, when we talk about do you... Do people from the black, I'm stuttering right now because I don't know what to say, <laughs> but I don't want to offend anybody. But do we call the African-American community African-American or do we call them black? Right. And yeah, that yeah. is, it just depends who do you talk to. For the most part, I think most people don't get offended, yeah. but they do have a preference. Yeah. So I think for me, some like checks that I have in my head where I'm trying to be very conscious of because I'm the type of person where... I do adopt people's language very quickly yeah. and I learn languages and dialects pretty quickly. And so for me, I have to really be conscious about not adopting everyone's too quickly because then it may look like I'm appropriating it. Yeah. 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 So for me, it's, you know, 
the one thing I really try not to do is to adopt the language. I may know the slang and I may be able to, mm. you know, mm-hmm. I may mm-hmm. be able to follow quote unquote Ebonics and understand it and, and speak it, but I intentionally won't because yeah. I feel like that's appropriating. And I feel like with certain people that could be okay. And with other people, it's like, what are you doing? Especially people <laughs> who don't know me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Cause yeah. imagine if you just, I just came up to you and we're just shooting the breeze at a bar or something. And then I'm just, I just start like getting sound like a rapper from the East coast <laughs> or something. Yeah. I like where you're headed with that. And I like your thought process on that and taking it in a broader sense, right? We can roll everyone into this. Mm-hmm. One of the lines that I think about, or one of the differences, the nuances that I think about would be this one. So when I go into a store mm-hmm. and let's say it's like a banana Republic or a J crew, even though nothing there fits me except for the socks. Um, when, there's experiences that I know from other black folk where they say, I walked into the store and the way that the greeter greeted me was different. Mm-hmm. And I know we'll get into the, the, the monetization piece of this in a second, but what you're keying in on is if I walk into the store and there is, you know, the white sales guy, right? Mm-hmm. He intros himself or, or welcomes the other, other customers in by saying, Hey, good morning. Welcome to J crew. Mm-hmm. When he sees me, he says, Hey, what's up, bro? Yeah. And that's one that pe- that I talk about with my friends a lot where you don't have to say bro to me. You don't yeah. have to try to try to bridge that mm-hmm. societal, cultural, whatever, whatever you want to call it gap and say, oh, well, I've heard mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. say bro and homie and whatever. So now I'm going to adopt that and say that to you, too, because that now all of a sudden we're friends. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't really work that way. So sure. I, I like what you touched on a little bit about when you hear different things, you absorb it. And to what degree do you absorb it? Now, on the other side of that equation, in one of the episodes, uh, we talk about getting ideas from other folks. And I touch on the fact that I know a Latino family. Mm-hmm. And we talk about you know our future episode on fathers and love. When, when I go over there, I try to speak the little bit of Spanish that I know mm-hmm. because they love that. It yeah. shows a sign of love and care and respect. Absolutely. And you're trying Absolutely. and making an effort. Absolutely. So we want to be... Yeah. Um, and I think it... It depends on, I, I, and here's where emotional intelligence comes into key and just being aware of your surroundings, being aware of, of who you're, how you're appropriating in that moment. Like, for example, if I'm hanging out with Ali and it's just, you know, our friends and, and whatever, I may be more comfortable and just joke around a little bit more and, yeah. and you know, whatever. But I also have to be mindful if we're at work. Correct. I yes. can't necessarily fall into that right? because then if other people that we don't know, like, you know, other black or African-American people that we, I don't know, or who don't know me and they know me as, or they know me as like the Mina, Correct. you yeah, know, yeah, ERG yeah, person, yeah. then it, it puts off, it can be very off putting for them. Yeah. So it's, it's all about being mindful. Um, and also making sure that you're not taking it to a point where, the group that you're allies with mm. no longer have a voice. Correct. Where you kind yeah. of, it's like I can empathize and I can sit here and say, you know, my ex-husband was black. I used to wear hijab. I, I knew the difference of when I would walk into a store with him versus when I would walk into a store by myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I can tell the sense of the energy shift. I know what it's like to walk in the store wearing full Islamic attire, like very, very, very modest 
attire versus going in there in a tank top and some shorts. Like yeah. I know the difference of what, how I'm received by the public, but I can never actually sit here and say, I know what it's like to be a black woman or a yeah. black man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. even no matter how high emotional intelligence I yeah. may yeah. one day you develop, can't. I can never actually come and say that. So I think another thing that if you want to be an ally with someone and you want to make sure you're not appropriating their culture is to make sure that they have the voice and, and to help create a platform for them to speak for themselves. Like yeah. I shouldn't have to speak on your behalf. Like that's some bullshit, yeah. right? Like that's bullshit. You should be able to speak and you should be heard. Yeah. Absolutely. And unfortunately that's not the reality we live in. So when we are in a meeting and I say something, I'm going to sometimes need another woman or another man to, to, make sure that what I'm saying is heard, heard yeah. right? Because I'm, I'm more likely to get talked over because right. I'm a woman. I'm more likely to be dismissed because I'm a woman. Right. And that's the ally, that's the ally piece. That's of it, the right? ally piece yeah. of it where it's like, Hey, let's, let's hear what Samira had to say again. Or, right. Hey, what was that that you said, Ollie, that sounded really interesting. Right. So it's, it's like by acknowledging that it's happening and using your privilege in that situation yeah. where you clear the space and like allow that other person to, to contribute as a whole human being. Yeah. Right. I think the biggest gripe I hear about, you know, just from people in general is when you benefit from our culture and sometimes even like we were talking about monetizing, yeah. you know, you can have this image that it completely appropriates the, you know, a certain cultures or black culture or Middle Eastern cultures, art or music or food or, or, or imagery that they have. And then you monetize it off of it, but then you do nothing to help support that community. Correct. Right. Yeah. And that, I think, and that's a, that's a good one because I think when we think about, uh, not we, when some people think about culture appropriation, mm -hmm. one of the biggest, one of the, some of the biggest areas are like music Mm-hmm fashion yeah dance yeah one thing that i think about today and i know this is going to be super silly the the i've seen videos of russian dance classes and they have twerk teams oh my gosh and it's like and in my head i'm like this is funny it's funny to watch it yeah. but it's also really interesting because they've taken something that's very specifically black culture mm -hmm. and it's crossed halfway around the world and you have all these women that are these, you know, very thin Eastern European women <laughs> doing booty dance, right? And I'm like, what? You, you're, what you're missing the point. Right, like, <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, what? Who? Who signed <laughs> off on this? But that's a funny example. But when we when we go back, we can think about all of the historical examples of where things are taken from the less dominant group, per the definition, right, by the more dominant group. And it's seen as being okay. And there's two things that I want to touch on. One is when you take it and don't give give credit. Mm -hmm. The other is when you not only take it and don't give credit and then you monetize it, but you also don't want to socialize with the people. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I think about historically is I think about the music that black folks had mm -hmm. way back when. And not mm -hmm. way back too, too, too far. But when we're talking about growing, when folks grew up in the area where they had, you know, the little juke joints and those mm -hmm. places like that where black folks developed this music that was lively, that was fun. And during that time, white people liked that music too and they would dance to it, but they also didn't want to have anything to do 
with black folk. Not at all. It would be it would be a place where you can only come in if you're white. Mm-hmm. All the all the band members and players are black, mm-hmm. and they're dancing their asses off. And then after that, it's I'm gonna clap for you because you played this song, but I don't want to touch you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to mm-hmm. see you in my neighborhood. Don't come in my store. Don't do anything. If we carry that forward, there are still groups of people that do the same thing, right? That right. don't interact with that group, and they they pick and they choose the things. I want to wear my clothes this way. I want to do this. Right. And I know it was popular in the 90s when sagging was in oh, it's still and all in, that. <laughs> it's still in. Um, with, oh, yeah. It's a different form. It's sagging with tighter pants. Oh, now, it's ridiculous. Which is, I don't, I, it. I, I don't understand. But, but I want anyway. to touch on your point about when you were saying, you know, they wanted nothing to do with those artists. So there was a movie that came out almost two years ago, The Green Book, mm-hmm. with uh, Marshall Ali and Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. And... I did watch that movie and it was crazy. There were, I mean, the artists were expected to perform, mm-hmm. right? But they weren't allowed to sleep in nice hotels. They oh, no. they had no access to the nice restaurants. 100%. You know, they were eat, at, told to eat in the back, you know, with the, the help, quote mm-hmm. unquote. But these were, uh, you know, in the case of this movie, an amazing pianist, an amazing musician, amazing artist, and, but treated like, less than human right. be just because of the color of his skin. Right. Right. So I want to ask you, you, you brought up the twerking in, in <laughs> Russia, <laughs> but so here's, here's a question I always have. That is the image that is being portrayed about the black community all across the world. Right. So yeah. for example, I went to Iran. There aren't very many, there are definitely no, not no, but like I, I've, I don't, I've never run into an African American person who's ever like lived in Iran. Okay. Right. So there isn't a, an Af- an Amer- a black American presence in Iran, right? Mm-hmm. There are black people but not they're not of American or African or like immediate African descent, right? Mm-hmm. They're not like immigrants from Africa. They're people who, you know, from thousands of years ago, right? Yep. Of that type of African descent. So their culture is still very Iranian or very regional to Iran, right? Mm-hmm. So but what they know about African-American culture, black culture, are things like twerking, pimping your ride, <laughs> things like that, right? Rap. Rap, rap is like, is, yeah, yeah. As a black man, as a professional, as an educated man with a, from an educated family, how does that make you feel that all the way across the world, the image that people have of your culture and what they're embracing about your culture is stuff like twerking. Nothing wrong with twerking, I guess, but <laughs> right. I'm just saying. Dance is dance. <laughs> so, yeah, that it's the reason why I hesitate is because it's so layered and it's so it's interesting. I'll give a, a present and an, a, a present example, and then like an older example. Mm-hmm. To, to key in on your point, and then I'll talk about how I feel. Mm-hmm. So I talked to a friend of mine who's uh, Indo-Canadian, and she spoke to me about going back to India, and there are there's an underground rap scene. Okay, yeah. Not in current day. So I just want to touch on that. Yeah. For our, our <laughs> outro, I wanted to put an Iranian rap song. Correct. And you said no. No. Yeah, no. And the reason why, so I'll jump back to the question, but to address that real quick, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I said no because I wanted something that represented Iran. Yeah, I I'm representing. That. A, I'm representing an African American, Black American, and jazz is our shit. We own it. We love it. It's ours. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. We made that. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted you to have a song. And I even wanted to hear it for myself. Like, yeah. I want to know what Iranian music sounds like. Not some dudes that were listening to Wu-Tang Clan and the Fab Five and were just like, I want to be rappers now. Because rap is universal. Hip-hop is is ubiquitous, right? Yeah. And this goes yeah. back to what I was talking about. She goes to India and, and there's an underground rap scene. The parents don't necessarily like it, but the kids are, you know, they have underground shows. They're sure, rapping in yep. both English and in their native tongue. Mm-hmm. But she also mentioned as a whole, Indians don't necessarily fool with black folks. No. Maybe not there. Now here, you know, it might be a little bit different. You work with some people and, and you're given you're you're given it's that exposure. Really, but yeah. it's not it's it's cultures it, here are still very much and it's not just black folks, it's very much stick with your own kind. Yes. Kind of thing. Right. Marry your own kind. It's still there, but I there definitely is still that perception of, you know, European Caucasian is still dominant. Oh yeah, right? yeah, and like, that and that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. So, so when I say when I say fool with black mm-hmm. folks, it, it, it's more about looking down upon them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Versus, and I, I make a distinction here because when you are when you interact with people, and I've interacted with people like someone who's who's Indo Canadian, and I've also interacted mm-hmm. with someone who was with several people who were born in India mm-hmm. and are now here. And I'm sure I may be one of the few black Americans that they've ever met, Mm -hmm. but through dialogue and through exactly what we talk about doing in this podcast, Mm -hmm. we've made, I'm, I'm certain that we've made some intersections because they reach out to me and say, Hey, let's go to coffee. Let's hang out. And that may not be the case, may not have been the case when they were there where they were. Absolutely. So back to the example where they're, they have this underground hip hop, Mm -hmm. but the people that are rapping credit black folks here. Oh, that's so the, nice. The credit, but it's given. It's not. It's given by the people that are actually adopting the okay. actual usage of that art form, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm Punjabi or whatever. I'm now a rapper because I love rap. So I have my underground group and I'm writing my lyrics out and doing all these things. But I definitely acknowledge where it came from. Yeah. It came from. It came from. You know, America. And I don't. You know, they may not be listening to old rap. It might be more current. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't personally heard it. And so they give credit. Now, an old version of this would be everybody was in love with Elvis. Okay. Elvis didn't Elvis didn't make those moves in his basement. Right. Those are black moves. And he didn't learn it from Forrest Gump. He didn't learn he <laughs> <laughs> Right. He did not learn that from Forrest Gump, right? A lot of the dance and mm-hmm. the art and the liveliness came from us, but the people that took that mm-hmm. and made it their own fun way of doing right. things, and in Elvis' case is a monetization of yeah. that, right? They didn't give credit. They would never say, oh, I learned this from this person or learned this from that person, right? Mm-hmm. So as as a black man, you're always disappointed. Mm-hmm. Or, or from, let me say not as a black man. Speaking from my own personal feelings as Ali, as a mm-hmm. black man, mm-hmm. it is disappointing to only see one side. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that when we talked about reality shows, right? Yeah. It's not about watching the train wreck. Are you also watching the train being built? Mm-hmm. Right? Are you watching the greatness of the people that you're emulating? Right. Are you just taking a specific thing? So when I see the Russian twerk team, it's amusing and it's funny. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's like, but what do they think about me? Right. What do they think about the women that are are twerking here or dancing in a certain style here or the guys that are dancing a certain style here, Mm -hmm. how do they feel about us as a group of people? Would they talk to me on the street if I was there or in a bar or wherever? 
Now, there are some that will and there's some that won't. And the reason why I can say that is because I went, I had a study abroad. I went on a study abroad when I was in college, mm-hmm. went to Copenhagen, Denmark Two, me and two of my very good friends. Mm-hmm. And both of them are black okay. brothers. We were on a bus one night in mm-hmm. the city center and on the bus was a younger Danish guy. He had bandanas around his wrists. On his head, he was sagging. I mean, it was like something out of like a 1992 like music video. Like it was bananas. And we're kind of looking at this dude like, what? Mm-hmm. Like this is so funny. We're in Denmark, and all and you gotta understand, Denmark. All these people look the same. It's yeah. like they process them out of a manufacturing I'm plant. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's only because you're not used to seeing it. Oh yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm. It's it seriously like, coming That's from the why, Bay like, Area. Well, now you see why, like when people say like, "Oh, black people look the same." It's not because you actually <laughs> look, look the, the same. same right. It's just because we're not used to seeing it. So Got until it. we get more accustomed to uh, it. Oh God. Okay. Okay. So well, that's an excuse. There you for, go. That's an excuse for foreigners. That's not an excuse for people here. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. another story, but. <laughs> So we're there and it's like everyone, wear, you know, they wear the same type of attire, right? They're dressed very similarly, the same hairstyles, all these mm-hmm. things. So we saw this mm-hmm. one outlier that stood out and he approached us and was like, hey, are you guys from America? Right. And so at this time, we're, I don't know, 20, I think. Are you guys from America? Yeah, man, I love hip hop. Thick Danish accent. I love hip hop. Tupac starts, you know, starts talking yeah. about these different people or whatever. And I, and we were, but we were all three of us kind of taken aback. Like this is a really interesting Mm -hmm. view into, you know, culture traveling and what people pick up on. Yeah. But it goes back to the two episodes we've talked about. I'm not what you see on TV. Yeah. It falls in line because, you know, even, even a a good friend of mine who's uh, from Ethiopia, she talks about the same thing, Mm -hmm. even there for black, for, for Africans there. Mm-hmm. They, the image they have of American blacks is what's given to them via media. Yeah. So now, now you have to think like, oh, well, you—that's what you guys are on TV. But wait, we don't control that narrative. No. We don't control mm-hmm. what's shown in the media in in Ethiopia or in Russia or in America. Or in, yeah, right. I mean, Even, we we, we have some influence, but. Ultimately, how many black-owned cable channels are there? Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point, and you know, let alone here, but also abroad, it's probably even more, you know, more siloed. And I understand with you know with Instagram, with Snapchat, with social media, mm-hmm. that you'll get more access. But again, it's very popular things, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that make you know, again, I just kind of feel disappointed, right? I feel, mm-hmm. you know, do they emulate Michelle Obama? Right? <laughs> do they emulate Barack or do they emulate? Right, you know what I mean? Like it, right. it's, it's one of those things where it's like a, a pick your not pick your poison because we don't get to choose, but they pick up on the thing that's the most, the most stylish, the most fashionable, yeah. the most fun, the most exciting, the most engaging. And and my question is always: being black is like, okay, they've taken something that's ours and they're mm-hmm. having either having fun with it, which fine, great, knock yourself out. They're monetizing it, which I don't necessarily like because nine times out of 10, they're not giving that money back and they're right. not giving credit back. Right. And then the third part of that is it's easy to emulate the style and the fashion and the fun and the mm-hmm. music. And I'm going to talk this way and I'm going to walk this way. And this is both foreign and domestic because mm-hmm. we've seen a ton of that domestically, right? In all 
all ranges of history, mm-hmm. all periods of his, his, history in this country. But then it comes down to when the shit hits the fan and the struggle starts. Right. When black folks are dealing with a certain issue, when we're going through certain things, when we need allies, when we need friends, when right. we want people to help stand up for us, where are all these people? Right, right. What do they do for us? If they monetize off the things that we've invented, how do they right. give back to us? Right. Right. And in some instances, we don't control the organizations or the media outlets or the production studio companies or the record companies right. that sell all of our music. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know some people revel in the fact that everybody wants to, you know, everybody, you know, the famous saying, I, I'm not going to say the N word here, but everybody wants to be black, but nobody wants to be black. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. From butt implants to yes. lip implants, yeah. right? We can go there, mm-hmm. talk, walk, fashion, dress, mm-hmm. music, singing, style, swag, everything. I want all of that, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be shot by the police. Yeah. I don't want to get maximum sentences. I don't want to ruffle any feathers by, you know, standing by your side when you're protesting or Correct. taking I don't that wanna, knee with you. I don't want, exactly. I don't want to kneel when the flag comes. I don't want to march. I don't right. want to protest. I don't want to have a political movement mm-hmm. in the favor of doing this. I don't want to raise my hand and say all people should be paid the same and black women are paid even less than white women are mm-hmm. in corporations. I don't want to pay more for a car. I don't want to pay a higher interest rate. All the stats. Right. You don't want to sign up for that. Right. And also don't want to speak out <laughs> no. against it either. No. Right. And that's, and that's kind of where we're, you know, where we want to make sure we draw that line. And that's something that I try to be conscious of. And it's very frustrating for people of all cultures, pr- primarily black people, but it's experienced everywhere. And it becomes very challenging to navigate that. How do I become this ally and not appropriate your culture? And how, if I have appropriated your culture, how do I come back from that? <laughs> right. right. Take the bandanas off and put your how pants do up. I, or, you know, do I, ha- do I have to take it off? Yeah. Or can I just, you know, use, again, use my platform yeah. to help you understand for example even with you know what's happening in Iran right now you know we have a ton of people who love Persian dance a lot of Persian dancers mm-hmm. um, who or you know Middle Eastern dancers Arab belly dance or whatnot and some of them are allies and they you know totally credit their teachers they credit the community and they will share and post and and stand with us and others are very silent. Yeah, and, that, and, that's, and that's where it gets discouraging and frustrating where it's yeah. like, you know, with everything happening in Iran right now and with the sanctions, they can't buy medical supplies. And, you know, and unfortunately, we never know what news is actually true. Right. Right. But it, it becomes very, very disempowering and frustrating. It's like the one thing we have, you're taking that from us too, our identity. Right. Right. Our dialogue, right, you're taking right, that. Right, right. Right. Benefiting from it and then just kind of leaving us here to to struggle. It's, yeah. it's a frustrating feeling for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And it's funny because this can also go inverse. And I was challenged on this. And I definitely want to bring this up because I don't want to make it seem like this is all about people taking black whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're great and everybody wants to be like us. And that's wonderful, right? And we and conversely, we want to be like other folks. And so I had this conversation mm-hmm. with the Indo-Canadian where we were talking specifically about them crediting rap and taking rap culture. And I said, well, we've done the same thing to some degree, but it depends on how you do it. Uh-huh. Everybody loves and knows who the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. And what is their whole MO? The 36 Chambers. That's not their culture. 
being ninjas and shit. That's not right. <laughs> that's not black folks' culture, right? right? But right, they're right, always right. crediting like Shaolin monks of the Wu Tang totally Clan. Totally forgot about right? us. We forget yeah, about right. that, right? But they you're absolutely right. <clears throat> they adopted that, but they're they definitely have that perspective of we love this culture, and they specifically say that we love the Shaolin culture. We love the mm-hmm. idea of being ninjas, fighting martial arts. Like they're giving that credit, yeah. there, and they're not saying like, oh, I don't talk to Asians. I don't want to I don't want to sit down I don't eat at your restaurant I don't want to talk to you don't look at me they're not doing that and the other piece of it is music is a is a popular thing so taking Persian beats or taking Indian beats Mm -hmm. or Indian music and then putting our spin on it right right so we there are parts where we kind of do the same thing. Yeah, and, absolutely. And and I but I think when when we talk about monetization, one of the big things we, we can think about is how do people take something and don't give credit? And one thing that I was re- reminded of because I'm black and so there you know I have a black mind first, right? Is for Indian folks. Okay. There is what's very popular right now, yoga. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a video that I was sent. My friend sent it to me and it's a white woman instructor (laughs) that's running a yoga class and Gandhi shows up to the yoga class and she's telling him where to sit. Where's your mat talking about specific poses like, Oh, so do the downward dog. And he's like, Oh, this is, and I don't know the name, so I'm not going to butcher it. He says in his native tongue, what the pose is. And Uh he's like, Oh, so it's like this. And she's like, no, that's not it. (laughs) Right. And, and the scene continues to go through his interaction with, with Wait, this is an actual thing? YouTube video. No, it's a YouTube video. Oh, it's like something someone made up, it's like somebody, a parody. Yeah, yeah, it's, okay, a, it's okay. a parody sort of I thing. I was like, this actually happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... It's, it's a parody thing, but just talk about it's yeah. popular now in the United States. You, mm-hmm. you can go down the street and everybody's got a mat rolled up on their bag because they do yoga and all this yeah. other thing, but they're not in touch with the history of it. Yeah. They're not in touch with the spirituality behind it, mm-hmm. the religion behind it, what it's supposed to accomplish. It's a form of working out. They've... They've taken that and even monetized that even further by different types of, oh, you got to get in the hot room one or the more active version or all these other things. And they're profiting from these yoga centers and these yoga class classes, but for the people that invented it and the people that it means something to, and that it's significant, significant to Mm -hmm. where, where's even the credit. Mm -hmm. You don't ever see a yoga, a yoga studio that says, oh, let me thank the Indians that invented this. It's not even a small print, right? And she and she mentioned that to me. I was like, that is a good one. I don't even think about that. Being, yeah, I have. I've here. actually thought about that because I do like yoga and I do go to <laughs> So I'm not going to lie. You're uh, such an appropriator. I, I, <laughs> guilty. <laughs> um, yes, it's true. And, and then it, it goes back to also like how we treat people from those communities, yes. right? And it's... yes. You know, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, it's mine. You can't touch it. Right. But at the same time, it's just how do you treat the people from the community and be mindful of that and be mindful of are you being inclusive? Are you just taking it and owning it and making it yours? And and honestly, for something like yoga, that's it's a spiritual thing and it's it is a form of exercise. It's it's okay to do that. Like it's just like saying if. If you're Muslim and you're not from the Middle East, you can't be Muslim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I get it. However, there is also that component of if you are from a privileged or dominant demographic, to be mindful of 
how you're showing up as that. 100%. Are you taking it and owning it and being arrogant and self-righteous about it? Right. Because I've, I've, I've ran into some uh, converts who were American, white and black actually, and who would look at down on me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. it is just kind of makes me. At first, it bothered me, but then it just kind of made me laugh because I'm like, oh, newbies. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But it's just kind of one of those things where you know to go back to the original question of how do you dance that fine line? It's a dance, just it like dance. any social interaction. Yeah. It's a dance. You have to learn to read people and to be mindful but the best cues i think that this is something you can take with you is are you talking differently are Mm. you using language that you don't normally use right like that's just if i was to talk to my family or to my kids or to my other friends am am i speaking the same way i should speak the same way i do with my other friends that i do with you unless we're speaking two completely different languages right? right right am i trying to appreciate and and show the person that i i care and i value their culture and i want to learn am i asking questions of them or am i just mimicking what they're doing and imitating them right right right, so it's like for example if if you know i had i had a foreign exchange student staying with me Mm -hmm. right she was from brazil Mm -hmm. and so for me to if i would have just welcomed her in here speaking portuguese and making some dish it might have been really weird right but if i if i felt like it was if i was coming at it a look at me look what i know i know about this about brazil and blah 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 then that's one then that's kind of i feel like more of an appropriating thing but if i presented it like i just wanted to make you feel at home yeah. So I learned a little bit of Portuguese and I made right, a, a right. common dish. I Googled it. Is this right? And I right. started asking and engaging questions like, did I make it okay? You know, and things like that. Then I feel like that might have been, that would be like an okay way. So again, it's it's how you present it. Yeah. It's the attention intentions that you have behind it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, engaging the other person in the conversation, asking them questions like, how do you feel about this? Is this okay? Or what do you like? And just listening again, key thing to, to anything you do, leadership, engagement, team, team building, motivating anyone is really listening. That is the biggest and most important tool that you have in your toolbox is to listen, to understand so that you really get where someone's coming from. And if you don't understand clarifying questions we live in an, a, an age where people would rather text than talk yeah. so one text can be you can write it one way and it gets interpreted another way even an email or an instant message chat ask clarifying questions like i'm not really clear with that did you mean this or did you mean that and then you'll kind of understand each other better and then you'll know how to gauge the situation how to continue but don't lose yourself when you start to lose yourself and your identity that's when i feel like you're drawing you're taking over what's happening and you're no longer showing up as an ally you're more like it's more about your ego of like i want to help i want to be good and then you got to check yourself because then it's like do you really see this person as an equal Mm. Yeah. Or is that your ego is like, I want to help them because subconsciously I think they need my help. They can't do this without <laughs> me, right? Yeah, ask us about help from other groups of people. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> or people that thought we needed help. But yeah, I, I wanted to echo one of the things you talked about, which is which is asking questions. But I do want to touch on something really quickly is when we see things that we do mm-hmm. that other people do 
and it's okay. A classic example is Bo Derek, white lady, gets her hair braided in mm-hmm. 1980 or 81 is on a magazine cover. And now you see white women with braids like black women have been mm-hmm. doing for centuries. Mm-hmm. But it was okay when she did it. When a black woman has braids, she's ghetto, she's hood, oh, she's minority. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's absolutely. all these negative connotations, but this white woman gets her hair braided, and it's an amazing thing. Um, so thing fashionable. I, it's so fashionable. Yeah. The other one I heard about was for Indians, where the the dot that's worn in the middle of the head, I think it's called a bindi, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Someone check me on that. Um, there was a specific artist that wore the same thing, mm-hmm. and. I'm not sure when it was, but I think it was you know, a, a pop artist or whatever. White pop mm-hmm. artist wore the same thing. And then it was very fashionable. And, uh-huh. oh, I wear it because it's part of what I do, yada, yada, yada. But no cultural understanding, no yeah. credit, no no anything behind it. So to your point about listening and having conversation mm-hmm. is when I when I talk to people that have a different cultural background than I do, if there's something that their folks do that I don't understand or I don't understand the significance of or mm-hmm. what have you, just ask questions. Yeah. Doesn't mean I need to go and do it. The same thing with the art right. that's drawn on the back of the hand. The right? henna, yeah. The henna for Indians, same thing. They said, you know, you can go to this area, this celebration, there's a bunch of white women drawing it, right? And But nobody's necessarily giving credit. And, it's, and to your point, it's not to say you can't. Yeah. It's about how you go about it. Yeah. And, you know, as we like to say, who'd you get a pass from to do that, right? Like, who gave you permission? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I didn't know a black pass was a universal thing. Uh, it's definitely not universal. My, I'm stingy with mine. Well, I mean, um, I'm just saying, like, the first time I got one was in Texas. And then I came to California, and then someone else was like, you might qualify for one. And I was like, that's a real thing. I thought it was just... Oh, no, no. People people, people will say that passes, give, give, handed out black cards and all this other oh stuff. My I think we're the only ones that say that, which is funny. Ask the questions and understand the history. Yeah. Learn if you have to Google it, look it up, whatever the case may be, understand the significance of it and what it means. And to your point, if you don't need to do it, don't do it. If you're going to an Indian wedding and they say, hey, you're participating in this event as a non-Indian. This is the way that everyone dresses that attends Mm -hmm. this event. I'm going to help you get set up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If you go into the mall, don't wear that shit. It's not yours. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's just my... Pres- I know some people absolutely. might feel differently about it. I get it. No, I get it. But it's not yours. I don't want to see a white dude wearing Kente Claw sneakers. I'm sorry. I just don't. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's just how I feel about it. I do right? have one last question for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, before we go, because we were talking about like how I felt and where, where I get nervous about crossing <laughs> boundaries. So on LinkedIn, uh-huh. okay, there's this, there's this coffee place called... Red Bay Calf Coffee okay. in the Bay Area. Okay. It's uh, African-American owned. Uh-huh. And they have this thing going on doing the Wakanda salute. Yeah. So I feel very uncomfortable being like, I'm in a Wakanda salute. Or if I share the post to like help promote their business, like being like hashtag Wakanda salute. Because I feel like that's very, I feel like that's yours. You know, here, here's, <laughs> so I love that. And this is why I love that even more. I'm at work in the hallway. Want someone that I casually sort of work with that sat on my floor, white lady who uh-huh. has a son who's in a soccer class. She said, Ali, I want to ask you this. You're the perfect person. She's with her white counterpart. So she's, she says, Hey, we had a team. My son has a team, a soccer team. There's a bunch of different groups and they go by Panthers. They want to separate the names for the teams and they want to do it by color. So all the parents had a meeting to say, well, 
Purple Panthers, Yellow Panthers, and then one was Black Panthers. And so she's asking me as the resident black man on the floor, right? How do you feel about that? And she's like, but we had the meeting and there was one black lady in there and she said she didn't really say anything. She didn't really say she had an issue with it. But all the white people were saying, well, no, you can't do that. That's theirs. Right. And like it might it might create some issue. Right. Yeah. And so she asked me and I said, well, it depends on who you talk to, whether or not they'll have an issue with it. You might have younger folks that say it's not that big of a deal. You might have older folks that say it is a big deal to Mm -hmm. me. And I understand the sensitivity being black because here's the vision for some black folks. Mm -hmm. Wakanda wasn't so much about the Black Panther and being Marvel characters. It was about what is the potential for black folks if we were never colonized, Mm -hmm. if there was never an infiltration, if we were left to do things our way Mm -hmm. without being interceded upon by others with our resources. Because it's funny, they're talking about vibranium, but let's talk about all the wealth and natural resources yep. that exist in Africa. Absolutely. It's the same concept. Absolutely. If we utilize what we have on our land for our purposes without infiltration mm-hmm. from other groups of people, unwanted, mm-hmm. what could we be? Yeah. That's what Wakanda represents. It has nothing to do with Marvel. Right. It represents the idea of how great can we be, how excellent can we be mm-hmm. if we are left to our own. Right. And that's the significance of it. So, for some of us, when we see other people doing the salute, it is truly bothersome because everything has been taken. Mm-hmm. All the resources, the people, yeah. the families, the babies, how many future generations are at the bottom of the ocean in the Atlantic slave trade route? How many future Queens and kings and people that inventors and scientists and engineers are laying at the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. So for us, it is a very powerful thing to think about Mm -hmm. if you take it out of the context of just being some movie about a superhero. Yeah. It's about the reality of what's happened to us. And so for us, for me personally, I feel like this is just another thing that we have or that we've owned because people were going to the movie theater. They had the kente cloth on. Somebody had the the classic coming to America scene, throwing roses in front of like black (laughs) folks went uh, because we were so happy. Right. I was happy. Like (laughs) I was like, I was like, I want to be, (laughs) I want to live in Wakanda. Well, what I also loved about it is that it showed the diaspora between the African-Americans in the, in America. Correct. And like you mentioned, touched on earlier, the distinction between a black American or African-American and someone from Africa, how disconnected they were from the struggles exactly. and the challenges. And and um, at the end of the movie, yeah. they brought it full circle and said, yeah. hey, we're going to go and we're going to buy this building in Oakland and we're going to yeah. set up and do all those sorts of things. And I think that is a ve- that for some of us, that is a very sensitive touch point because we yeah. think about all the things, just like we're talking about appropriation, all the things have been stolen, right? Yeah. So here we are today and, and you see you know, a bunch of kids that aren't black doing a Wakanda salute. Right. And then you just continue to go rap, music, fashion, hip hop, jazz, all these different things that have been stolen. A washed down version of history that's being taught to them. Exactly. All the things that we've we've invented. Absolutely. Right. Being taken. They had the Hidden Figures movie that came out along the same lines. Like they never gave those black women credit. And that was the only reason the United States even went in orbit to begin with. Right. Right. Let alone, let alone the race to reach the moon. Yeah. I mean, it's good that now there is this image out there there are these movies out there that are showing more of the history and showing it a little bit more accurately some very much so and some still watered down but 
it's we're moving forward, which is a good thing, but there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I love the question. I didn't mean to go sideways on that one, That's but okay. I get, I get, I get passionate so about that. One. I can't <laughs> say or do the Wakanda Listen, salute. I'm not going to tell you can't. Just don't do it in front of me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just shared the post. I didn't right. hashtag Wakanda salute. But, so I was but, like, all right. <laughs> but, but to that end, as we as we wrap up this episode, the important takeaway is something that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Engage. And I appreciate the white lady at my job saying, hey, let me talk to you Absolutely. about something that I don't understand yep. that has to do with black folks. I don't feel bad about that at all. Ask a black man. First, you better ask people, right? If I if I want to know about a Bindi or about Indian culture or Persian culture, Indian person, I'm going to ask any Canadian. If I want to know about yeah. Persian culture, I'm going to ask you. And I'm not going to dress up that way. I'm not going to mimic anything you do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to you about what it represents. If it's mm-hmm. if it's appropriate for me to do it in a setting that calls for it, a wedding, an event, a, a cultural event, something like that, then cool. But I'm but outside of that, me personally, yeah. I'm not going to adopt that on myself and say, oh, this is cute. Right. So now I'm going to wear a bendy. Right. This is cute. So I'm going to wear this Persian attire. Oh, this, rapping is fun, so I'm going to rap and not associate with black folks. Or if mm-hmm. people come around, I'm going to act weird towards them. Mm-hmm, and I'm also mm-hmm. I'm going to understand the struggle of those histories. And I'm going to understand the highlights of those histories and the things that make those folks excellent. Mm-hmm. As well as the things that I think are cute and fashionable and popular and all those other right, things. And that, that for me is the biggest takeaway. Absolutely. Is to be careful with that. And then when you get around someone else that may look like the person that you met and talked to, but they don't know you. Don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, share our podcast. Follow us at WNS Different. Send us any emails with more questions. We really enjoyed this question. Um, it helped us dive a little bit deeper, and we hope you got some value out of it. So email us at WNSDifferent at gmail.com. Please, 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 if you like our episodes, please write reviews, subscribe, and share with your friends. Thank you so much, and we're looking forward to the next time. Everyone stay safe.